morning, but you can open your Bibles this morning to 1 Kings 18. We will read a text. Um, this was at a, a, a point in history when the nation was under a famine and a drought. Crises. Uh, people were thirsting to death, dying, starving. Cattle were, sheep were, were dying. And the nation was in crises. Uh, people, the, the, the uh, people of Israel were turning away from God and turning to idols and turning to false gods. And uh, a lot of stuff was going on. And you can almost see the frustration in Isaiah, or I'm sorry, not Isaiah, in Elijah, uh, as he calls for his people to make a choice. And, and, and they had an assignment. And how many knows that God, I believe, today is calling for the church to make a choice? Choose you this day, as Joshua said, whom you will serve. Whether the gods on the other side of the flood that your fathers served are the gods in this new land. And how many knows they're not the same? Uh, they, may, they may act and try to disguise themselves. Uh, they may even call themselves by the same name. How many knows that everybody that talks about Jesus isn't talking about the same Jesus we're talking about? So we have to know in whom we have believed. And as Paul said, make a decision that God is able to keep those things. I, I'm just going to read some text and, and we're just going to just walk this thing out slow and easy this morning. And, and I'll probably, I don't really know, we'll probably share some personal testimonies and some thoughts about the altar. But I, I want you this morning to be, I want us to re-realize the importance of the altar and our assignment as the house of God for the altar. 1 Kings 18, let's begin at verse 21. The Bible says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal's God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and I will put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. All the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many, call on the name of your gods, put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating or he is busy. 
Maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances till the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And that's where I want us to end, and we'll hit on some more things after that. But I think that is the assignment of the church today, to repair the altar that's been torn down. Now, I need to put some disclaimers up front so I don't get labeled a traditionalist or whatever. I do know that altars are more than a piece of furniture. I do know that altars aren't, aren't isolated just to the house of God. You have an altar at home, you ought to have an altar everywhere you go. Uh, you ought to have an altar inside of you so that you can call on the, on the name of the Lord. I, I, I get all of that, and I agree with all that. You can have, there are people that have uh, altars at home, a specific place that they like to have a, a pineal, a face-to-face encounter with God, and, and they have places de- designated for that, and I'm, I'm about that. I like that. We, we ought to have those kind of spots. But I do believe that there is something significant about the altars in the house of the Lord. In that we're in a building that has been dedicated for the purpose of worshiping God. We have furnishings that were made for the purpose of prayer. They've been anointed. They've been prayed over. Miracles have been wrought. Now, there are times in my personal life when crises happens. I mean, anybody else ever have a crisis? And there, there are times that a crisis will knock me to my knees. And right where I'm at, I pray. And I seek God until God gives me a release. But then there are times that even after that moment, there's something that draws me to the house of the Lord. How many ever just looked forward to coming to the house of God and getting to an altar? Just getting to a place where you can lay it out before God, where you can pray. And, and, and I'm not, you know, some churches use their front steps for an altar, and that's fine. They use whatever for an altar. But you have a designated place where you come and you, and you, and you lay it before God. You tie it to the altar. You give it to God. There are times that I, I, just, I, I just think, God, I need to be with brothers and sisters that believe like I believe, that pray like I pray, that that know what God can do. I need to be somewhere that I can lay something on the altar. And why then, and again, I'm I'm not going to get deep this morning. So if you're waiting for four or five points, I don't know, we'll get to all that. I have a dozen, but I don't know what I'll get to. But, But here's where I... That, that, that we, I, I, also, I, I talked with someone a while back and I, I said when you get to the place that you can turn to the altar when you're in trouble, then I'll be able to help you. 
Because the reality of the matter is, I don't have a lot of other tools in my tool bag. We deal in intangibles in the body of Christ. We deal in the power of God. If you reject that, that's what we have. But we believe that God is able to take care of every situation. I, I, I know I've shared the story, and I'm not going to get crazy into too many of these stories, but I, I remember a very turning point in our church in the old building next door where, where I went down after a service was over and took my handkerchief out of my back pocket, and it was a, a time we were trying to make decisions, and I was so over my head in pastoring. I was young and immature, and actually, in some ways, though, I feel like we were doing a better job then because I don't know. But anyway, never mind. That's another story. And I went down to the altar after a service was over, and there were puddles of tears. And I took the handkerchief, and I wiped the altars. And I get emotional every time I tell the story, and I've told it a dozen times. But it was as if the Lord said, everything's going to be all right. Because God draws nigh to a broken and a contrite spirit. So we as the body of Christ, what is it that we're missing? What is it that the world, the world as, the, as, the, uh, as, as uh, John and Peter walked in to the temple and the, the, the beggar reached out and, and, and asked for alms and and they said, we, we don't have any money. You know, we can't buy your next meal. We can't pay your rent. We can't buy you a new set of clothes. But what we do have is the power of God. And my fear sometimes is the church has traded the power of God for material things. People call, yeah, we can pay your rent this month. We can pay your light bill. We've got a whole counseling process. And listen, I'm all about helping people. James talks about helping people if you're able to help people. But if we do that and like the power of God, then we are no longer the church. We're some kind of a social organization that I don't want to be a part of. I, I, want, to be, I, I want to help people. Believe me, I love helping people. But it's got to include the presence and the power of God that changes lives because that is what God has installed the church to present to the world. We do that. I, I, I can remember uh, bringing sick people and, and laying them at the altar. I've seen miracles. I've seen cancers dissolve at the altar. I've seen palsies immediately healed at the altar. I've seen lame legs healed at the altar. Deaf ears opened at the altar. In fact, I think sometimes that the altars worked so good that we decided to quit using them. Twelve o'clock comes around and the pot roast is ready. <laughs> Kickoff's at 1 o'clock. 
whatever. And, 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 and we neglect, and, and, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, I, I've been guilty myself that we've neglected times at the altar that God has called us to be people of the altar. I think that our biggest assignment, as was Elijah's, was to repair the altar that the world had broken down. Because the world would love to tell you there's no more power at the altar. They've mocked it. They've danced on it. They've tried to make rain. They've tried to do whatever they've got to do. And the altar's been left in shambles. We preached a series a while back on Nehemiah building the wall around Jerusalem. Powerful messages. A whole lot of stuff in there and restoring the wall around Jerusalem. But a lot, a lot of people don't realize that before uh, Nehemiah went to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, Ezra went to restore the temple rubbish in the midst of the city. And the first thing he did was dig the altar out of the rubble. And the Bible says that he set it up on its basis. And the people wept because of the power. How many believe with me that that was an active part that sent the Holy Ghost to Nehemiah that says, come back and build the wall. The people of God are ready for restoration. It starts at the altar. Churches are built at the altar. Families are restored at the altar. Lives are changed. Jacob was eternally changed to the point the Bible says that he limped when he left the altar. He walked differently when he left the altar. How many knows that too many times we come to the altar and we leave the same way that we came? From the time that Elijah or Jacob left the altar and was called Israel, every time somebody saw him, they realized he's walking different now. The problem is that when we as the house of God come to the altar and we leave and there's no difference in our walk, we do the same things, we talk the same way, we act the same way. What is our testimony? to the world is that there is no power left at the altar but I believe hallelujah that God is still at work today and if there will be a people that will humble themselves and cry unto the Lord that God will still change lives today I believe God can still set sinners free I had a pastor one time that was in a, 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 a terrible bondage. And I called an official. I said, I don't want to share this person's name. I just need some guidance. And we talked in hypothetics. <laughs> and this official said something that totally blew me away. I mean, to this day, I reel over it. He said, that particular kind of bondage, we don't see deliverance from. And we don't have a path forward. I was, my mouth just dropped open. 
I said, well, if you will let me handle this restoration without giving all the details and give me permission and I'll tell you what I do without giving a name, I've got a path forward. And we did. And I gave him regular updates on this hypothetical person <laughs> until they were restored. Let me tell you, and, I, and, and, and probably I misunderstood, misquoting, I don't know, because I, I love all these people. But, but what I want you to understand is I believe that there's still power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. After the restoration was over and we released this person back into ministry, they said, now, as I go forward, if I get on staff at a church position, am I required to tell about my bondage from before? I said, brother, I don't tell people about any bondage from before because I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. If God has set you free, you're a new creature. You're a new creation. You walk in that. You hold your head up high. You don't let the devil or man beat you down because God and this person has done just a tremendous job in reaching souls and reaching thousands of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ because God is able to restore. But I, I want you to understand that there were hours that we walked up and down the front of this church praying and laying it on the altar and anointing with oil because God was doing a work. Pastor, you mean you've got to pray about something this week and pray about it again next week? Sometimes. Sometimes that bird gets loose. Sometimes we let it back in. But there's power. Now let's go, let's look back at Elijah. I read you that story. We ought to dig into it a little bit. Elijah said, get four barrels of water and pour it over the altar. They did. Dig trenches, pour four more barrels of water. Now we're going to get into that in a few minutes because that's significant. Barrels of water over the altar. They did. But I want us first to look at what does water represent. Water throughout Scripture, and I won't spend a lot of time developing this, but water throughout Scripture represents the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about rivers of living water shall flow out of our bellies. He, he talked to the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll thirst no more. Uh, Jacob's wells, Moses' rock flowed with water. All of these things are representations of the Holy Spirit. So a, a Holy Ghost altar, a, a, an altar that's been sanctified and purified by the pouring of the Holy Ghost, the pouring of the power of God. Take water and pour over the altar. He said, put no fire under it. I think our church can learn some lessons. Our church is. The church can learn some lessons. Because we think if, if, if the church don't work it up, then it just don't happen. Pastor, if you don't preach us into a frenzy and the music guy don't sing us into a frenzy, then that's just ain't going to be no frenzy. But Elijah said, I put no fire under it at all. It's going to be of God or it's not going to be of nothing. 
You know, we're going to worship, but it's listen, we're not trying to work. You ought to come into the house of God with the fire of God already lit. Put no fire under it. And, and, and the fire that's going to fall, let it fall from God. And the fire fell. Remember the four barrels of water, the eight barrels of water. What did I, what was the condition of Israel at that time? Anybody remember? They were in a drought. <laughs> the Bible says that when the fire fell, it licked up the water that was in the trench. Why? The real sacrifice was the water, and in fact, the bulls were given to them by the servants of Baal. That was no sacrifice from Elijah. The sacrifice was the water. Listen, God looks for genuine sacrifice. Genuine brokenness. Now, hear me. Jesus Christ has become our sacrifice. And when, when the Holy Ghost sees the blood of the Lamb, it is drawn to it like the anointing is drawn to the Holy Ghost. And it consumed all the sacrifice that was there. And the fire poured out. So, first of all, we have to prioritize the altar in the house of the Lord. God forgive us. God forgive us. It, how many, I remember when churches oftentimes was nothing more than an altar call. Now listen, I'm, I think sometimes, I think we need the preaching of the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing what? So I'm not, we need to have a balanced preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's all right. If sometimes we just have a demonstration of power and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I, I, um, <laughs> I wish I could take some of y'all back to my childhood days. And some of y'all been there. When the power of God would pour out in the house of the Lord. And I, I remember when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, about 12 years old. And it, it, I hope it's all right, because the Lord just told me to talk about the altar. We had an evangelist in our church of God. And he was preaching a message on being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was working on my spirit. And it was like there was nobody in the room. I don't know if you've ever been there. But it was like me and him were just hearing each other. I mean, it was like the Holy Ghost was speaking right into my heart. But there's something intimidating about the altar. Because the altar represents a holy God and a sinful people. 
And we don't often like to, why is it so intimidating? Why are we so intimidated to respond to the altar? Are we really afraid that somebody around us might figure out that we've got a sin problem somewhere in our life? Let me give you a hint. They already know it. Get over yourself. And if the Holy, don't listen, that's a lie of the devil. And if they're criticizing you, then they need to be up at the altar as well. Because your brothers and sisters in Christ are going to be urging you on, spurring you on, praying for you, standing with you, watching the victory. Hallelujah. So get over that. I'm too embarrassed to respond. I respond all the time. If I respond again, what are they going to think? I don't care what they think. Listen, when you get to heaven, it don't matter what nobody thinks. It's going to be you and Jesus. And you don't get to say, yeah, but brother, I, Jesus, I was going to come up there that Sunday, and I know you were going to set me free, but I was afraid that sister so-and-so would talk bad about me. See how that works out. Sunday morning, 12 years old, 1970-something. <laughs> the preacher said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I want you to come to the altar. Kids, teenagers, I didn't. And I didn't even, all I, and he said this words, and I remember it. He says, if you will take the first step, I'll walk it out with you the rest of the way. And I can tell you to this day, it was a miraculous thing. I stood up on that Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night. And I stepped out. And from that time until midnight, I didn't remember anything I hit the altar and God began to pour out into my heart well I do remember sister Silas saying let go <laughs> oh sister Silas she's saying let go sister Water saying hang on I didn't know whether to let go or hang on a few other saints running around the church yelling and crying and screaming The janitor ready to lock the building up. Preacher goes to my dad says, you got to take that boy out of here. I was laying on the altar speaking in tongues. Picked me up and put me in the back seat of our old Chrysler. Drove me home speaking in tongues. I got home. We lived a long way from church. We drove about 40 minutes to church. Church Alive is worth the drive, by the way, if you drive a long way. And I remember getting up, and I was, I was coming to myself enough that I was, and I remember how clean I felt. And for the first time as a little boy, I knew that I was all right with Jesus. Saved. Let's see, we don't, supposed to do saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost in the assembly of God, but back in church of God, we still saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost all at one time. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and 
I, I remember saying to my, I wish Jesus would just come back right now. I didn't lay in bed that night wondering, oh Lord, how many of you as kids, maybe as adults, ever laid down in bed and thought, Lord, don't come tonight? <laughs> you know, I've, I've told you before, my preachers, they had basically two messages. Jesus is coming, you're not ready. <laughs> and I bought into it every night. I thought, oh God, don't come back tonight. But that night, I was like, come on, Jesus, hallelujah. Why? Because of the power of the altar. Remember bringing sick folk in because they didn't have insurance and they come to the altar and God touching them and healing them. But now we've got other options so the altars take a back seat. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about it is our assignment as the body of Christ to restore an altar where people can see lives changed and lives touched and the power of God move. We have to prioritize the altar. We have, to, we have to pray over. We have to sacrifice. We have to allow the Holy Ghost to minister through the altar. The fire of God always looks for genuine sacrifice. The fire of God. Can I tell you, here's another problem of the church and we're going, to, we're going to stop in a few moments. We're going to come to the altar. Here, and then I've got another very special thing we're going to do at the end. If I forget to do that, somebody yell at me. But here is, here is the thing. What is the thing? <laughs> I got lost in that thought. <laughs> We need something about the altar. Listen, I know it's not been a deep message. It's been more of a testimony than anything else. But oh God, I want us to get hungry for the altar. I want you to know. I want you to know that God just this week my wife and I had an issue that we were talking about and I felt like the Lord had said that it was going to happen, and, and at first it seemed like maybe it wouldn't happen. And, and, and I, I told my wife, I said, Now, honey, if you want this thing to happen, we'll pray it in. Because God said it's ours. You let me know. How many knows that you can have that kind of faith? And she said, I think it's supposed to happen. All right, it'll happen. Now, I don't always have that assurance. I don't always have that assurance. It don't always work that way. But sometimes God will just drop something in your spirit and you know it's yours. And then you got to make a decision. Do you really want it or not? Praying for a guy one time at the altar for healing. And he said, Pastor, don't pray for my healing. I said, why not? Because I'm trying to get this building. <laughs> I said, I'm not here to get healed. I'm here for, I'm here for you to pray for my disability. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I all right. And that's how we prayed. 
<laughs> um, know what you want. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus looked at the man that was laying there for 18 years and says, what do you want? I mean, I would assume you want to walk, but you might just want a new bed. Where is your faith at this morning? Because God will meet you at the point of your faith. Some of you, some of us can't receive what God has for us because our faith level isn't there yet. Let me, let me help you because I've been on this family thing for a long time now and the devil's fighting families. If you can't see your family healthy and well, then your faith level has a problem. Pastor, you don't know what mess. I'm not talking about what the natural. Listen, the spiritual's got to be able to see past the natural. When I get discouraged, which sometimes happens too often, I have to come in here and pray until I can see this church where it needs to be, even though it's not where it needs to be. And I know if I can't see it, we can never get there. I told my wife, if you want this thing, we'll pray for it, it'll happen. Before the end of the day, it happened. Now, we're trying to decide whether it was a good thing. <laughs> Now, and again, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, sometimes I just pray and I don't get an answer from God. And I just keep praying. And I just keep praying. So I don't want you to get the wrong impression. But sometimes God will tell you, this is for you. This is for you. I, I could tell you. I, I, I'd, I'd like to go on about a dozen testimonies. But I'm not going to do it right now. But know that I have been touched by the power of God and I know that God is able and so this morning I want your faith to begin to rise up inside of you I want you to begin to believe for something that you thought was not going to happen I want you to dig back and remember that thing that God promised you and you think but now Lord I don't know how that can happen I don't know how listen it may look different than you thought it was going to look but I, I want you to allow God to do the impossible in your life. Don't you allow God to do the impossible in your life? God wants to change hearts. He wants to change attitudes. God wants to change your heart and change your life for the good. But you have to be able to surrender everything to God. So I'm going to ask us this morning, can we stand all over the building? Why, why are altars so intimidating? Why is it so intimidating? Why is it such a struggle? Because there's power. There's a spiritual battle that goes on. My cousin would go to church week after week, month after month, year after year. He wasn't ready to surrender. He was a good man. He loved the Lord. He gave to the church. He literally gave the money to build the church a fellowship hall and then his company was a contractor built the fellowship hall and he would sit in church 
under conviction. I'd go, they lived in Georgia, and I'd go visit them every now and then. I'd go, he went to church. He believed in going to church. But he wasn't ready to surrender his life. And I would watch him week after week as his pastor would give an altar call. He would hold on to the back of the pew till his knuckles were white and weep like a baby. But he wouldn't respond to the altar because, listen, he believed in counting the cost. He thought he wasn't ready to give up the life that he was living and surrender to God. And then one day, one day he responded. God radically transformed him, saved him. He became a leader in church. He, he eventually died and went to heaven. And I thank God. But my question is, why is the altar so intimidating? It's so intimidating because it represents the place of holy of holies. This represents the place of encounter with God. And flesh resists that. Flesh doesn't like that. The devil doesn't like that. But this morning, I, I, Brother Dominic, I'm wondering if we could just do the I Surrender All again. And then as we sing I Surrender All, if the Holy Ghost is laying something on your heart, I want you to bring it to the altar this morning. I want you to bring it to the altar. Just lay it on the altar this morning. Just give it to God. If you need a healing, and, and don't be in a hurry. Linger. Sometimes you linger. Sometimes you wait. And if you, if you give it to the Lord, I believe that God, listen, if you need a healing, I want you to respond. If you need deliverance from a problem, I want you to respond. If you need a family miracle, if you're watching online and you need a family miracle, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to respond to the calling of the Holy Ghost. If you need a financial blessing, I want you to respond this morning. Our God is able. Go ahead, Brother Dominic. Lead us and I surrender. As he sings, I want you, if, if, if God's pricks your heart, the Holy Ghost pricks your heart, step out from where you are and come stand across the front of this church or kneel. Whatever you feel led to do, would you come? Go ahead. I surrender all. Hallelujah. Come on. I surrender all and all to Thee, my Listen, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about anybody else. This is between you and God. Oh, come on, we're going on. all the way in today. We say, I surrender all. We're not holding back from you, Lord. Oh, I surrender all. Begin to just pour it out. Just give it to the Lord this morning. Just begin to give it to God this morning. To Thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, yes, we do, oh God. Oh, I surrender all. I surrender all. And all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all.
your altar where you are. Oh, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Why don't you come Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Shines through Jesus. the shadows. Jesus. Burns like a fire. We speak that I holy speak name Jesus of Jesus. Shadows, it burns like a fire. Hallelujah. We shout Jesus from the mountains <laughs> and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. I speak Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Oh, we speak that name. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Cause it's matchless Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life It breaks every stronghold It shines through the shadows And burns like a fire Hallelujah In the name of Jesus is power Your name is love. 
it breaks every stronghold. It shines through the shadows. It burns like a fire. We speak the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to mark this day. If you gave something to the Lord this morning, what is it, September 29th? Somebody help me. 26. 26. 26. That sounds right. Somebody asked me one time what I'm doing tomorrow. I said, You assume I know what today is. But um, mark it down. September 26th. I gave it to the Lord. So when the devil tries to remind you of it and bring you down, I want you to remind him October 26th, Sunday morning, September. I thought the day was bad. I wasn't even the right month. September 27th. He's saying some of y'all need to remember for tomorrow. We get you, Pastor. Uh, hallelujah. I don't know. Praise God. But <laughs> it's a day. That the Lord has made. Last Sunday in September 2021. How about that? I am in the right year. It's last Sunday in September. I gave that to God. It's not mine anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. That behavior tries to come back. Say, oh, no, I don't do that anymore. I gave that to God. And if you do do it, you just give it back to God again. It becomes an intruder at that point. So um, just know that God is able.